Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, provided by Living Stream Ministry, and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Witness Lee served the Lord faithfully for more than 70 years, culminating with his exhaustive commentary on the entire scriptures called Life Study of the Bible. Today, we're happy to bring you recorded excerpts from his ministry, along with some of our own considerations. At the end of the program, we'll give you the website where you can find more about the remarkable ministry of these two men. But for now, please enjoy today's program. If we receive the believers according to the word, we will be those who are absolutely beside ourselves with the joy of the Holy Spirit. God's blessing is commanded upon those who receive the believers in such a way. One of the most intimate and revealing passages of the New Testament is found in the final chapters of Romans as the Apostle Paul opened his heart, revealing the real practice of the body life. We're happy once again to welcome you to the Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program that's provided by Living Stream Ministry. Today brings us to our second program covering chapter 14, and I'm glad to welcome once again Dick Taylor to add his portion to the Life Study of Romans. Dick, welcome back to the Life Study. Thank you very much, Chris. Dick, I wonder for an introduction today, if you would give us the picture that Paul is presenting in this final section of Romans from chapter 12 to the end of the book, and also the significance of today's chapter, which is 14, in this portion. Well, to do this, it's really good to have a view of the entire book. First of all, Romans is the wonderful gospel of God in which God makes sinners into sons for the constituting of the body of Christ, which is expressed in many local assemblies all over this earth. And uh, there are many precious items uh, that have been revealed of God's work all through the book of Romans. For example, this panoramic view shows us... Uh, God's creation, the fall of man, God's redemption, justification, reconciliation, identification, sanctification, glorification, bringing us then to the deep heart of God, which is just love, and taking us into the secret chamber of God's selection in his economy. Then, uh, beginning with chapter 12, we come into a section uh, that is entitled Transformation. And uh, in this section, we realize transformation is made evident and made clear because the goal, although we've mentioned all these wonderful items in Romans up to this point, the goal is the church life. The goal is the assembly life. And to practice the proper church life, uh, we also need a proper Christian life, and to have such a proper life, we need transformation, which is the wonderful metabolic change within us in and by the divine life. So that we would be those who are not just living out ourselves, living out our flesh, but we're living Christ. And in this section from Romans 12 uh, through 16, we see 
the church life is there, but the way to practice the church life. So several points are mentioned. For example, one section is we need transformation in practicing the church life. We also need transformation, number two, in being subject to authorities. Uh, we also, number three, need transformation in practicing love with one another. And we also, number four, need transformation in waging the spiritual warfare, that is to subdue the flesh. All of these things are part of a proper Christian life that is needed for the proper church life. Then when we come to chapter 14, we come to a very, very critical chapter in this section, and this is a chapter on receiving the believers. How we need transformation in receiving the believers. This is a wonderful section. It really is a wonderful section. It comes very, very close to the center of God's heart for his eternal purpose. Absolutely. Let's join Witness Lee for this life study from the Book of Romans. Well, I still would say that this book was written after the first Corinthians. And it was written at Corinth. You know, in the first Corinthians, Paul dedicated one whole chapter on the matter of love. And it was in between chapter 12 and 14 of the first Corinthians. And these two chapters are just on the matter of dealing with the gifts. In between, Paul said, let me tell you the most excellent way to exercise your gift. And the most excellent way to exercise your gift is to exercise love. 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 And I do believe this kind of concept would be still fresh when he was writing chapter 14 of Romans. So, she told the saints, you have to receive others in the principle of love. Love must govern you. A governing factor for you to receive the saints. Right? Then, the fourth point. It is more important. That is, when you receive the saints, you have to realize the saints are going to be received not into your doctrinal concept, not into your religious practice. Your religious practice is drinking this and not eating that. But you have to know the kingdom of God is neither drinking nor eating. In the kingdom of God is... What? Firstly, righteousness to yourself. Secondly, peace to others. Thirdly, joy with God in your spirit. You eat turtle, you eat cabbage, it means nothing. Altogether the same. Turtle means nothing, as cabbage means nothing. But righteousness means a lot. Peace means a lot. Joy means a lot. All these three items are the expression of Christ. When Christ is expressed, He is our righteousness. Dick, the kind of points that we are covering here are typically what we hear regarding our own Christian life. But the context in chapter 14 has all together to do with our receiving the believers in the Lord. You touched on this in the introduction. I want to ask you now, just develop this a bit more for us. 
I like, Chris, uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 1. It says, Now him who is weak in faith receive, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his considerations. Then in verse 3, He who eats, let him not despise him who does not eat. And he who does not eat, let him not judge him who eats, for God has received him. In both these verses, it tells us what this whole chapter is about. It's about receiving the believers. And there are five wonderful points in chapter 14 that are a real guideline as to how to receive the believers. Uh, sorry to say, all the divisions, or most of the divisions among Christians, have been caused because of not properly receiving the believers. So number one... This section makes it clear that we need to receive believers according to God's receiving. Not according to my concept, not according to your concept, but if God has received him, then we have to realize we have no choice. We must receive whom God has received. If they're a genuine believer in Christ, then we need to receive them because God's received them. This really keeps the oneness. Number two, we need to receive other believers in the light of the judgment seat of Christ. And I realize that the more you study this judgment seat of Christ, you realize the main thing that we will stand before the Lord about is how we treated other believers. This is a serious matter. And so this is a tremendous principle and point that's brought forth in this chapter. Thirdly, we need to receive the believers in the principle of love. Of course, this is not just our fallen and contaminated human love, but this is the very love of God. And then we receive the believers for the kingdom life. And that is a life that testifies the Lord, where there's righteousness, where there's peace, and where there's much joy and enjoyment in the Holy Spirit. And then uh, the last point in this chapter is that we must receive believers according to Christ not according to uh, some religious ritual, some ordinance, uh, some law. We must receive all the believers according to our dear Christ. If we practice these principles, these points that are brought forth in this chapter, there will really be the manifestation of the oneness of the body of Christ, and Christ himself will be properly testified on this earth. So what a tremendous chapter uh, to lead us to carrying out God's heart's desire related to the body life. Wonderful chapter. Thank you, Dick. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for more of our life study. God put you into your family with a wife not so fitting to your taste, with so many children all the time disturbing you, disappointing you with so many happenings always encouraging you. Hallelujah! What is this? This is the sovereign, divine arrangement for you to get exercise. Because you consider yourself so nice, so wonderful, yet you don't know you are so poor, so ugly, so dirty, so mean, sorry to say this, so well. You need that kind of wife, those many children, all the happenings, the poor brothers surrounding you, plus all the sisters to expose you. 
Am I right? To give you a photo of photos just to expose you to the animals, then you will look at the picture. Is this me? Surely that's you? Yeah, my, I'm surprised I'm that bad. You are worse than this. I am seeing something I know. I myself experienced so much. So many times I put the blame on the brothers. But after a while, I nailed down at the Lord. Okay. <laughs> you put the blame on your brothers. That was not right. You have to put all the blame upon yourself. You have to thank me for all your dear brothers. Every brother is so fine for you. Just to expose you. Just to take a photo of you. Just to give <laughs> a look of yourself. Without your dear brother, you could never be exposed. You could never have a look at yourself. Praise all. You see, this is the exercise of the kingdom in the church life. Poor Christians that say the kingdom is suspended. And he will be brought back. And he's coming. Poor, poor. We have many verses. Ephesians 5 gives us a verse. Galatians 5, another verse. And 1 Corinthians 6, another verse. In Acts, many verses that tell us today the church life is just the exercise of the kingdom of God. In a sense, the church is a family. Do you know the meaning of the church? Sure you know. The meaning of ecclesia. That means people meeting. To sing one to another, to enjoy grace, to experience life. It's marvelous. Am I right? But do you know the kingdom? The word of kingdom? Ruling! So many Christians like, like to say, I like to go to the meeting, but I don't like to be ruled. It is a kingdom. With a kingship. It does have the leadership. It does have the ruling. To have the church life, we need the exercise of the kingdom. Praise the Lord. The church is our home, as well as our kingdom. In our home, we do have the enjoyment of love, the supply of grace, the experience of life. But in the kingdom, we also have what? The ruling, the dealing, the governing, and the exercise. Am I right? And sometimes the chastisement. Praise God. We do have a kingdom here. And the kingdom is just the church in another aspect. In Matthew 16, I told you already, the church and the kingdom, these two terms are interchangeably used by the Lord Jesus for the same thing. Am I right? The church is something to be built, but the kingdom is something with a key to govern, to rule, to exercise. Am I right? Now, we all must see this. Praise the Lord. I'm whole. I'm also in the kingdom. Oh, the kingdom of God is righteousness to ourselves, peace to our others, and joy with God 
in the Holy Spirit. Dick, I'd like to ask you about the overall presentation in this portion that equates the church with the kingdom of God. What's the biblical basis for making this association, number one? And number two, experientially, how are these two related? Well, uh, biblically, we can see the association because we see Romans fourteen seventeen says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And this verse mentioning the kingdom is right in the context of verses that are all about the church life and the body life practice. Then, secondly, uh, I really appreciate a footnote written by our brother Lee that mentions this, The kingdom of God is the sphere in which God exercises his authority so that he may express his glory for the fulfillment of his purpose. In such a kingdom, what matters is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Then uh, another sentence that I really appreciated, according to the context of this chapter, this verse was written for our receiving of the believers. If we receive the believers according to the apostles' instruction in this chapter, we will be right and proper toward those whom we receive and will have peace with them. Thus we'll have joy in the Holy Spirit proving that we are living in the reality of God's kingdom and are under God's rule. So if we don't practice to receive people properly, other believers, then there's no testimony of God's kingdom on this earth. We're not in the reality of God's kingdom, and we're not under his rule. If we receive the believers according to the word, we will be those who are absolutely beside ourselves with the joy of the Holy Spirit. God's blessing is commanded upon those who receive the believers in such a way. Mm. Amen. Thank you, Dick. That is wonderful connection between the church life and the kingdom. Amen. This is both the Bible's clear presentation and our own experience. Amen. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study. Paul was really wise. If you are not in the spirit so deeply, I tell you, you will miss everything this deep writer wrote. At the last point, he says, you have to receive the saints according to Christ. Not according to your doctrine, but according to Christ. Then he illustrated to us that Christ is so all-inclusive. Let's go back to the text. Let's read a little bit. Chapter 15. It's quite meaningful. Uh, verse 5 says, Now the God of endurance... An encouragement grant you to be like-minded one to another according to Christ Jesus. Amen. According to Christ. For I say that Christ, listen to this, has become a servant of circumcision. This means Christ is for the Jews. Then, verse 9, and... <laughs> Not only for the circumcision, but also for the nations. For the nations, something better 
than for the Jews. For the Jews, it's only for the truth of God, only to confirm the promises given to the Jewish fathers, but for the nations, the Gentiles, to glorify God for his mercy. Something better, you see. Christ is all-inclusive. He is for the Jews, both for the Jews, as well as for the Gentiles. And again, Isaiah said, there shall be the root of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. Even he who arises to rule the nations. Listen, Christ is the root of Jesse, yet he will be the ruler of the Gentiles. In him, the Gentiles will hope. Don't you see the all-inclusiveness of Christ? He is the supply to the Jews. He is also the overshadowing one to the nations. Could you follow me? By being the root to the Jewish people and by being the overshadow to the nations, he just embraced the Jews and the nations together. To make both the Jews and the nations one. I do believe this is the deep concept of the Apostle Paul in writing this part. By me being the root of the Jews and the overshadows of the Gentiles, I just embrace the two peoples together. Together for what? Together for one body. Together for one body. Together for one new man. Together for my church. Am I right? Christ is all-inclusive. All-embracing. He embraces the Jews from the bottom. And he overshadows Gentiles over their head. By being the root of Jesse and overshadow of the Gentiles, he embraces these two people together. Two people together to be one body, one human. As Christ is such a one, so we have to receive other believers according to this Christ. Don't say, my, uh, this is American. Don't say that is a Japanese. Don't say that is a Filipino or that is a Korean. I can't take them. Look, Jesus is the root of one people and the overshadow over another people. He's all-inclusive. So what? In receiving the saints, we all have to be all-embracing. We have to be embracing. Am I right? People from the east and people from the west, people from the south or the north, whatever, whatsoever, we have to embrace them together to be one body. We all could be one, and praise God, we are one. I do believe this is the right meaning according to Christ. Praise the Lord. Isn't this wonderful? Well, Dick, as Witness Lee has pointed out, Paul's thought here is very, very deep. But I believe we've just had a guided tour into the depths, not only of Paul's thought, but of God's own thought. That's true. Christ, the root of Jesse, 
and the overshadowing one for the nations really is the only way for us to have the genuine oneness of the body, isn't he? This is really true. I'm so happy that you asked this question, and this so freshly brings us to this wonderful Christ we have. He's the root of Jesse, and he's the overshadowing one. Uh, this is a tremendous point. Uh, as the root of Jesse, listen, Christ, number one, is the source and the supply for the Jewish people. What a Christ! He's also called the overshadowing one, and as the overshadowing one, in the future, this root of Jesse will arise to rule over all the Gentile nations. What does this mean? It's Christ, and Christ alone, who can bring both the Jews and the Gentiles together and to make them one. He embraces both. So he brings them both together in one body, which is the one new man, and this is the church. So this uh, question you ask brings us to a tremendous revelation related to Christ. He's the all-inclusive one, for sure, because he's so many rich items. And he's the all-embracing one. I like this term. He's all-embracing. He embraces both the Jews and the Gentiles. Well, if this is the way Christ is, and this is who our Christ is, then we must be his duplication. We must be the same. We must embrace all the believers, the Jews, the Gentiles, whatever. So from now on, we shouldn't say, uh, this is an American believer. This is a uh, Chinese believer. Uh, in receiving believers, we must be all-embracing for the building up and testimony of the one body of Christ. So there's a little, a little chorus we sing, Jesus is getting us together. Come and see the saints in one accord. His love is knitting us together to the stature of the fullness of the Lord. What a Christ we have! What a Christ we have! Amen. Amen. Dick, thank you very much for your fellowship today. You're so welcome. Dick, I look forward to having you back very soon for another one of these wonderful life studies in Romans. I look forward to coming back and enjoying this Christ with you again, Chris. Thank you. you enjoyed this program. For more information on Witness Lee and Watchman Nee, please visit our website, lsm.org. Again, that's lsm.org. Thanks for listening today.